Our scripture this morning is from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? It will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, so that they might declare my praise. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. be seated. They say you can't go home again, but the truth is you can. It just may not feel like home. I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama, and after college I would return there quite often as my parents continued to live there until 2006. After their move, several years later, I would return to Montgomery about four weekends a year while I was doing my required schooling as a pastor in the Methodist Church. At first, I attended school there on the main campus of Huntington College, a place that I had passed many, many times growing up, but I had never entered any of the buildings. In fact, you couldn't have paid me enough to enter them because what was stuck in my head was the story of the Red Lady of Huntington College from Catherine Wyndham Tucker's 13 Alabama Ghosts. Eventually, our classes were moved over to the Cloverdale campus of the school, which was a very familiar place to me because it had been my junior high school back in the day. Huntington had acquired the school in the early 2000s, And so I found myself sitting in what I am quite sure had been my biology class growing up, learning about Wesleyan theology from our very own Roger Short. I sat in the auditorium I had attended many assemblies in, now with stadium seating for our worship services and graduations. It was, uh, well, it, it was weird. This looks like a place that I know, but it's not the same except the bathrooms. The bathrooms were exactly the same. One of those weekends I was back in Montgomery, I was driving down those roads that I had driven a million times growing up, and I passed the intersection of the main road I was on with the street that I grew up on. And as I sat at that red light, I glanced at the street sign, Hill Hedge Drive. Wait. The sign says, Hill Hedge Two words, not hill hedge, one word. I know that it was one word. I remember saying it every time we gave out our address. Hill hedge, one word, drive. I got to school and I texted my parents. It's hill hedge, right? One word. 
I'm not crazy, am I? I was not. That was real weird. This is a place I knew, but the name isn't even the same anymore. Now, today's scripture is from a part of what biblical scholars call Second Isaiah, the chapters of that prophetic book that extend from chapter 40 through the end. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah deal with the prophecies before the fall of Judah and the resulting exile of the people to Babylon. The last chapters of the book, though, are words for a people who are nearing the end of their time in captivity, people who are very close to being allowed to return home to the country they had been displaced from, people who longed for words of encouragement and hope to carry them through to when that homecoming, that homegoing, would be a reality. Now, I should point out that when you look at the time frame involved here with the exile, it was 70 years. So while there were different times that people were deported from Jerusalem and Judah, there may not have been very many people who returned to Jerusalem that had been there before. What they would be carrying back to Judah was not maybe their own memories of that place, but the collective memory of the people of Israel. This is why the words of the prophet speak with words that recall that shared history that they had, words that encourage them for the future by reminding them of everything God had done for them in the past. The passage reads, thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. So do you hear in that a reminder of the path God had made for the people who were fleeing Egypt, led by Moses? Do you picture the people stopped before the sea of reeds, unable to escape Pharaoh's forces who are on their heels? Do you then see the sea part and the Hebrew people safely crossing to the other side? Well, that is exactly what the first hearers of those words would have pictured, would have remembered. The passage goes on. Who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior, they lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. This is imagery of all of those in Pharaoh's army chariot and horse, army and warrior being covered over by the sea. Once all of God's people had gone through the other side, Pharaoh's army wiped out, no longer a threat to his people. This is a very common theme in the Old Testament. There are reminders throughout the Psalms as well as in the prophecies of all that God had done for the people. Reminders of when God had heard his people's cries and had delivered them. These reminders, these stories of what God had done were important. They made the people who they were. All of these shared histories. These were the origin stories of their nation. But they were more than that. They were reminders of the very nature and character of God. Their God cared. Their God heard their God acted in their lives in a real and tangible way. 
Remember, these words are saying, remember that yours is a God who cares, a God who acts on your behalf, a God who returns you home. A God who returns you home and begins a new thing there. Because while it was true that the people would be returning home, they were going to find things very different from when they left. The differences would be way more drastic than my own experiences of returning home. Instead of repurposed buildings, they would find that their buildings, their temples, their city walls would have to be fully reconstructed. Instead of name changes, they would find themselves in a country that was no longer their own and under the rule of a king that was not their own either. So God says to them through the prophet, I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This exodus may feel familiar to those who share that story of the first exodus, the first arrival in the promised land, but it is new. This is a new day. Look around. See what is happening. Notice what is around you. Remember the past, but don't be stuck in it. So today is the last in our sermon series where we have been sharing with you kind of a deep dive into our vision statement that has been developed over the last year or so. That statement says, our vision is to maximize our mission and service by offering engaging ministries and building a welcoming community of disciples who are connected across generations and cultures. So how does that connect to today's scripture? Well, just as God promised the returning exiles that he would make a way in the wilderness and do a new thing in their old home, I believe very much that that is still the promise we have today as bearers of these exact same stories. As we have navigated our way over the past two years through pandemic and politics and all sorts of pain, as we have found new ways to be a church, as we have continued to be proud of where we have been while we're a little uncertain of where we are going, we know that we carry with us a God of big promises that are never broken and a story that can change lives, communities, and the world. As we have navigated to places that were very much beyond the edge of the map as we knew it prior to March of 2020, we must take care to not just return home, so to speak, to pre-pandemic ways of doing and thinking and being. I distinctly remember some conversations that were happening last year after the church had more or less reopened fully we were having a lot of discussions about how do we get people back into church, back to worship, back to normal. One idea that was tossed around was that maybe we needed to stop offering online worship. Now, I completely understand this idea. I really do. But it was quickly pointed out by our then interim senior pastor, Dale Clem, that that was not going to be the path forward. 
We had learned a new thing. We had engaged people in a new way. Why would we stop? To stop would be the antithesis of maximizing our mission and service. I think that instead of attempting to rewind and step back into our old home here, we need to continue to think like we were when we were navigating the challenges that have, for the most part, subsided. Today we are back in our buildings, our senior pastor has returned, and today is the day that the North Alabama Conference announces pastoral changes, and I'm happy to say that we will not have any changes in our pastoral staff here at Alabaster First. But as we have all learned, whatever looks and feels normal can change in a heartbeat. It should change, actually. We should always be moving beyond the boundaries of what we have always done, how we have always operated, who we have always served. We must constantly be assessing the passions that God has placed in our collective hearts and that collection of unique gifts that he has pulled together in our community. And then ask ourselves consciously hard questions like, what is God asking us to leave behind? What new ministries is God calling us into? Where does God want us to go? We must closely pay attention to all that we do here as a church. All we want to do, all we think we do, and ask ourselves the hard questions. Are we making the impact we think we are? Are we going about our ministries in ways that build relationships and bring people closer to God? If our church was to disappear from the map tomorrow, would the community notice? We must be the people who walk around in our hometown and pay attention to the people and the situations that God has placed in our path and ask ourselves more hard questions. Do we truly see and hear the people around us? Are we making unfounded judgments about people, those who seem very different from us and just as dangerous, those who we assume are just like us? What can we do to enable our church to look more like our community in all of its rich generational and cultural diversity? God brings his people home but even here at home, we must look through the eyes of God upon the places that we know so well. Our worship services, our buildings, our ministries. We must look upon these things that are so familiar that we hardly notice them anymore. We must look upon it all with new eyes and ask God to help us live out our vision, God's vision for us here on this spot, on the map. May God's creative power continue to build a deeply connected community of faith here at Alabaster First. May the sacrificial service we learn from Jesus 
be evident in how we give back from the richness of the blessings we have been given. And may the Holy Spirit breathe fresh life into every new and old thing that God calls us to do. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are indeed so thankful that we have been brought through a real time of eye-opening change and challenges. We are glad to be gathered back in these places that are so special to us while we continue to offer what we have in new ways. Help us to continue to have this spirit where we are open to what is new and different, what is possibly uncomfortable. Help us, Lord, to reach all of those in the community around us. Help us to realize that while we may think everyone is church people because we hang out with church people, they are not. Help us to see the needs around us and help us to do more than just give our money or our donations, but also to enter into meaningful relationships with those in need that we might walk alongside them and help them walk alongside of you. Lord, all of this we lift up in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.